Christ for thee alone. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Thank you, Chrissy. All right. Let's go to our Bible study tonight. Any blessings, anything you want to share before we get to our message tonight? Any share any blessing, anything the Lord have done for you? Second Kings chapter 3. Second Kings chapter 3. I just want to say God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. We serve a wonderful, great, good God for sure. All right. Uh, let's look at Second Kings chapter three, verse sixteen. Verse sixteen to verse and down. Look what it says. And sa and he said, "Thus saith the Lord: Make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord: Ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water." And ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites into, un, into your hands. And he shall smite every fenced city and every joyce city, that, and, shall fell, I'm sorry, and shall felt every good tree, and stop all wells of water, and mar every good piece of land with stones. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, for... Uh, this time we can get it together as a church family, Lord, and just pray for each person here tonight. You know, each heart, Lord, you know the ups and downs of lives, and I pray, Father, bless each person in a very special way tonight. And Lord, I pray if there's someone online watching us tonight uh, and never received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, may write in a, where they are, Lord, may they take your word serious tonight, may they anchor down and, and watch the whole service tonight, and Lord, and and they will call upon you for salvation tonight, Lord. And I pray for Christian people that might be watching online tonight, even some of our church family, uh, family, Lord. Pray for them, bless them, and Lord, help them as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So tonight, we're going to look at this. When God is in, victory is sure. When God is in, victory is sure. You know, I never see God losing a battle. Uh, all, the, uh, all the battles of the Bible, I can, uh, you can read all of them. There's not one battle that God lost. God doesn't lose battles. God wins battles. You know, and those of us who trust the Lord and put Him in our, our battles, He wins the battles for us, not us. He wins the battles for us. Our God is a good God, and when God is in, victory is sure. Victory is sure. So as we continue our study in the book of Second Kings, one thing to keep in mind is that Elijah had moved out of the scene, and in the world, no, we have a new, a new person that comes in the scene is Elijah. So now Elijah, Elijah, a student, so to speak, or servant, uh, so to speak, is the one who the Lord is going to use to show himself strong to Israel. So, um, let me say something here tonight about this. We need to get used to this, okay? <laughs> Uh, God puts people in certain positions, right? God puts people in certain positions. God, but God, we have to understand as humans, we get so used to people. Uh, uh, don't don't start thinking that I'm thinking about something. I'm just teaching to you, teaching you tonight. Okay, I'm not making any decision. No, don't don't go over there. Okay, but what I'm trying to say is this: 
God uses people for a season. And when God is done with that person for that season, God puts another person there. God brings... One example, when God dealt with Moses, when God was done with Moses, God put Joshua there. You know, was, Mo, was Joshua Moses? No. Absolutely not. Different person, different personality, totally different person. But God, when it was a time, God said, okay, I'm taking you, another one. Right here, see the same, we see the same thing. We see Elijah came on the scene in 1 Kings 17, and he just, boom, just came out of nowhere. This guy just started doing all kinds of things for the Lord. He experienced depression, anxiety, and all that thing. But you know what? The Lord took care of him. The Lord helped him along the way. He came back, and he fought for the Lord all those battles, and he, he was better than ever. You know, then right here we see Elijah's out of the scene. What happened to Elijah? God took him. But Elijah is here. So this is the man that's taking the place of the other one. See? God is always in control. He knows. Okay? So when we depart from the scene, don't worry. <laughs> God's already working in the hearts of others. You know, so that's how the way our Lord is. You know, it is amazing. I think about back on these things sometimes. Like, you know what? Through the ages, through the ages, the gospel message kept marching on. Through all this whole world, through the ages, it kept going. From since the apostles, kept going, kept going. Kept, and we were not there. We were not even born. You know, God took care of His Word, of His people. He put different people in, 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 those, in those positions. And then we come on the scene. We were born for such a time as we were born for this time. Here we are right here. Don't worry, okay? Do not worry. We express concern, all right? But don't worry, because God will replace us, okay? He will. That's His Word. You know, when we, when even Jesus will come and take us, take us out of here, or we... Go to heaven in the process of, you know, dying, our body to die. Anyway, God is, the word of God will continue on. Okay? It will continue on. So, you know what? Let's rejoice in the life that we have right now and praise the God that we serve because, you know what? This is our time right now. This is the time we were born for. Okay? So, Elijah is out. Elijah is in. So, it's interesting here that um, Elijah reminds us of John the Baptist, so to speak. Some people say that with an, an axe, and he comes and he, boom, and he just like you go to this king and he accuses him of what he's doing, what, and, uh, and he lost his head over that. But Elijah, on the other hand, reminds us he's a more a soft, calm person, uh, like our Lord, uh, our Lord Jesus. Uh, so, in comparison, one to the other, right here. So, so uh, we see right here the sixth miracle recorded in these. Two chapters certainly magnify the grace of God here because it's God doing all this. So uh, let, uh, let this be a reminder of all of us that when God is done with you, okay, He will replace you with somebody else. I said, so don't worry about it. So let us be grateful, okay, and thankful that the Lord is using us this season of life that we have. Aren't you glad that God is using you right now? Okay, don't be like this. There was a man that was a dear friend of mine. I mean, I'm talking about a dear friend of mine. Great pianist. Great pianist. It, it, was, very, it was very good. I'll tell you what. He got cancer. I went to see him in the hospital. He was not doing good. He looked at me and said, it took, the Lord took me to this place right now, to this position, to this season of life where I am, to regret the times that I could serve my Lord and I didn't. All the excuses that I used not to serve Him. 
And here am I right now here in this position. He died like about a month later. He's with the Lord today. But may not be us one day when we get to that place in life and we say, well, all the excuses I used not to serve God because it was about me, not about Him. May we use this season of life and say, Lord, You saved me. I'm grateful. I want to give my life to You. You know, die to self. Lord, I'm going to give my life to You. That's, you know, I tell you what, be honest with you, that's where joy is. That's where joy and gratitude is. When we understand what life is all about. Let me put it this way. We got to our message, okay? We got to, okay. Before I got saved, I had my own philosophy what life was all about. You know, my own philosophy is life was about me, myself, and I. That was my life, okay? And nobody could change my mind on that because I can be very stubborn. You know, so that was my life. But when I got saved, the Lord just changed that whole thing, you know. I look at life right now, it's like, life makes more sense. My, a lot more sense right now, the way, you know, I understand what life, and uh, born and, and living and dying and where we're going is like, Life makes more sense now than it did back then. Because back then it was just about me. Now you understand what life is. We have a God who gives us life. We have a God that allows us to live in this world. And we have a God that wants to be, that want us to love Him and to worship Him. And in the end, we, we, have, a God that you have, we have a God that wants to have, us to have a relationship with Him. And a God that says, I'll give you my heaven. Wow. See, it changes completely. You see the mind of a worldly person to the mind of a saved person? Totally changes. So we see right here. So serve the Lord with gratitude. Serve the Lord from your heart. Serve Him as long as, as He will use you. Serve Him. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that's just trying to encourage you tonight. Serve the Lord. You know what? You're going to experience joy and gratitude of heart. And you say like, Pastor, I am so tired. We had this event in our church and I am exhausted. Yes! That's great. <laughs> That's great. You know what? Tomorrow morning we wake up, we're doing it again. You know? That's great. Serve Him. So, all right. So, <laughs> where was I? Okay, I'm still in the introduction. Okay, so. <laughs> so when King Ahaziah, I'm sorry, died, his brother Joram became king of Israel. First Kings 117 here. And he was also called, uh, he has another name, but let's call him Joram here. Uh, so being born of Ahab and Jezebel, the king was uh, hardly a good man, but at least he removed the image of, of, of uh, Baal, uh, there, First Kings 16. That's the only thing he did. He showed some respect for Elijah. Uh, however, neither Baal worship nor the golden uh, 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 altars that they have were removed from the land during his reign, and the image of Baal that Jordan, uh, Joran removed uh, Founds its way back to uh, uh, and uh, Jezu, uh, Jezu. I had this in the name of the guy. Had to destroy them in chapter ten, verse twenty-seven. So now, have you ever been involved in? Let me answer this question. Did you ever been involved on digging ditches with a shovel in your hand and a foot? Right, Miguel. <laughs> That's what we did Monday. We were digging ditches. I mean, maybe not this deep, you know. <laughs> but you know what? Okay, if you never dig the ditch, count your blessings. Because, <laughs> you know, it's nothing. It's just hard work. <laughs> I can imagine in this passage all those soldiers, you know, digging ditches for water. That must have been a good scene, a good place to see. I mean, you're on the distance looking at it like, 
This is something. Look at that. Those, the soldiers, instead of going to battle, they're digging ditches. You know what? I was trusting God. That was trusting God. God knows best. You know, it's amazing how God, you know, let's go to war. And God says, no, you go dig ditches. <laughs> I want you to dig ditches. And we're like, how are you going to win this thing? God knows best. All right? So we will see right here is, uh, uh, have you ever spent a day with a shovel in your hands, shoveling snow? Yeah. <laughs> Here in the Northeast, we say shoveling snows, right? I would, I would say none of us have done that or dig a ditch. Some of us have. I mean, Chris have done it, dig ditches, right, Chris? Yeah. In a military, right? <laughs> you actually made me, think, made me think about my brother-in-law one time. He was a good old boy from, from the South, and uh, he was in New York, stationed in New York, and it was snowing, and he was so happy that it was snowing. And one of the superiors, he told me the story, said, came to him and said, son, you really like the snow, don't you? He goes, yeah. He got the shovel and shoveled this whole driveway. <laughs> that was his job. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, so let's look at this lesson tonight, and I want to get out of my lesson tonight. But let's look at this lesson tonight from several points here in this interesting passage of Scripture right here. Number one, we see the people involved here. Now, look at the verse 1. Now, Joran, uh, the son of Ahab, Ahab we know is a bad king, uh, a wicked king, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, Samaria the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Remember, the kingdoms are, are broken in two, Judah and, and Israel, and reigned there 12 years. So Jehoshaphat reigned in Judah 12 years. And he uh, wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and like his mother. And he put away the image of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he cleaved into the sins of Jeroboam. You can see this guy, his name of this man shows up over and over again, because this man was wicked before the Lord. The son of Nabat, which made Israel descend, either part or not therefrom. And Masha, king of Moab, was a sheep master and rendered into the king of Israel a hundred a thousand a hundred thousand lambs and a hundred thousand rams with the wool. But it, it came to pass when Ahab was dead that the king of Moab rebelled against the, against the king of Israel. So you see what the story run right here? Okay, so when Ahab died, the king of Moab, it was a treaty there made here, here. And what happened when he died, he decided to rebel against Israel. So the next king said, oh, I need your goods, so I'm not going to let that happen. The reason why we're going to see three different kings over here try to go fight against Moab. Okay? That's what we see here in this passage. So let, let's, let's read down a little bit. And King Jeroboam, verse 6, went out. Uh, of Samaria at uh, the same time and number all Israel. And he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab had rebelled against me. Will thou go with me against Moab to battle? Now, this is the king of Israel asking the king of Judah to go to, to, to form an alliance with them to go. And look what it says. And he said, I will go up. I am as thou art my people, as thy people, and my horses are thy horses. And he said, Which way? Uh, shall we go up? And he answered the way through the wilderness of Edom. So the land of Moab was specially suited for, for raising sheep, but an annual tribute to Israel of a thousand lambs and a wool of a thousand rams was certainly demanded. So Ahab's dad and, uh, and of course, a new king, it was when they, they, they rebel against the king, the new king, of course, he said, I don't want to lose the stuff that comes to me every year. I'm going to get, a, get a more people here. More, I'm going to ask for help because obviously he could not do that by himself. You go ask for help so you could go to battle against Moab. 
It's interesting. When Joram, which is the new king, young men took the throne of Israel, it seemed like an opportunity, time for Moab to break the yoke once for all. But Joram didn't want to lose, like I said, all the free income, nor did he want his people to think he was a weak ruler. So he took a military census and prepared for war. Now, what we see here is a group of people about to be engaged in war because of a broken promise. So, folks, a lot of conflicts, we're talking about broken promises. A lot of conflicts that goes on in our world is because of broken promises. You know, people say, I changed my mind. Ever heard that? People say something to you, hey, um, hey Robert, we going to breakfast tomorrow. In the morning, I call Robert and say, I changed my mind. I broke my promise. You know, some things, sometimes things happen, it's understandable, but we do that all the time. In all kinds of situations, we broke our promise. Here's one, one that never breaks his promise is God. Amen. God never breaks his promise with us. Never. You know, his promise are sure. We miss his promise because sometimes of our, because the rebellious of our hearts, but God's promise is God's promise. It doesn't change. You know, salvation is promised to the human race. It doesn't change. Who tried to change mankind? What if we put this? But if we add this? What if we put this? You know? It's like this. Okay. It's like this. Kathy makes a beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful soup, right? It's all ready to eat. And everybody goes, but if you put a little bit of pepper, or put a little bit of salt, and put a little bit of this, and put a little bit of that, by the time somebody's going to taste it, go, what in the world is that? That's what people do with salvation. You know, salvation is full and free. Very simple. A little child can, can understand. You know what people do? Add this, add this, and this, and you look. Is that what I need to do to be saved? And you never get there. Because all the things that gets there. So, let me tell you something about President Reagan. I'm not talking about politics, but this is a good statement, so I'm going to read it. So, President Reagan, commenting on the Democrat uh, presidential primary debate in New Hampshire, this is many years ago, says, there are so many candidates on the platform that there were not enough promises to go around. <laughs> I don't know about politics, but this one just comes up with the lesson. So when we think about promises, we know for sure we can trust God to keep his promises because he always does. So a promise from God is a statement we can depend on with absolute confidence that because you know what? Because what God promises, he keeps. Let me give you 12 promises that, that you can find in the Bible tonight, okay? I think this is on your outline. No, it's not. Oh, I'm sorry. So, let me go. God's protection. The Bible says, I am thy shield. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, if you want to write it down. God's protection. God's power. That's a promise. I will strengthen thee. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It's right there. God's provision. I will help thee. Isaiah 41, 10. Same verse. God's leading. Leading. I'm sorry. And when he put forth his own sheep, he goes before them. John chapter 10, verse 4. God's purposes. I know the thoughts that I think of towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 11. God's rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. God's cleansing. If, you, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. God's goodness. No good thing will I withhold from them that work upright. Psalm 84, 11. God's faithfulness. The Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake. 
1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22. God's guidance, the meek will he guide, Psalm 25, uh, 9. God's wise plan, all things work together for good to them that love God. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Let me put it this way. Is those promises true? Yes, they are. You know what happened? When we don't see it because we don't believe it, but they're still true promises. And right in the pages of the Bible. If you want these things, if you said, Pastor, you want too fast, let me know. I'll print it out, give it to you. Okay? How many promises do you that you and I have made on which we failed to keep? How many promises you and I made on which we, we didn't follow through? Because was inconvenient or too expensive or just change, we change our mind because of circumstances or whatever it is. Uh, how many promises the Lord have made to you through His Word that He did not keep? He keep them all. He keep them all. You know, listen, but don't compare yourself to God because we're not perfect. He is. We are imperfect people. We make mistakes. We have a Lord that if you confess our sins, what? He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Okay? You see, child of God, the Lord gave us many promises through His Word on which are for us to claim them. And the truthfulness and, and, the truthfulness and reality of it is that, he, uh, that, is that the Lord never failed on His promise. He's always on time. He never back up on His promise. His promise are His promise in, in His Word for us to believe and, and understand it true. They will come to be true. Wait, I mean, wait on the Lord's promise. Don't doubt the Lord with His promises. Be optimistic with the Lord's promise. Don't lose hope. Wait on the Lord's promises. You know what? I'll tell you what. We serve a real God. We worship a real God. We worship a powerful God. And God says, I'll do this for you. I'll do this for you. You know what we need to do? Wait on the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. If they're godly desires, He will give you the desires of your heart. If it fits with His word, Number two, we see the problem involved here. From verse 9 and verse 10, we see the problem involved. The king of Israel went, and the king of Judah, that's verse 9, and the king of Edom, and they flashed the compass of seven-day journey, and there was no water for the hosts and for the cattle and f that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Allah, that the Lord had and called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Now, folks, what you see here in verse 10, it is... It is just absurd what this guy says. Who got, the, who got these, these three kings together? The king of Israel. Why? Because he was, losing, he was losing profit coming out of Moab. And now he blames God for it because they don't have any water. You follow that? This guy goes and gets the other kings. They get it to battle. It's his own idea. And now he says, oh, the Lord put this idea in my, in my hand. And you know what, what happens right here? Well, we're going to all die here because of, because of God. And that's not what we do. You know what people do? Something happens, it's God's fault. Something happens, oh, it's God's fault. If God loved me, this won't happen to me. Well, that's not what the Bible talks about. A lot of times we make our own problems here. But let me, let me put it this way. The army arrayed in full armor right here, and, they, uh, and their swords in their hands, and they were ready for war. But as, as they started out, someone said, something is wrong. We don't have any water. They had, uh, they had uh, I think this is in your outline. They had came to the valley to battle, and from a military viewpoint, they were parted, prepared, I'm sorry, and there was mi uh, and, but there was missing a very basic thing, water. This is a strange scene here, yet it is a picture of many churches who will 
you are well organized, you have all the right programs, yet does not have the spirit of the living God in it. You say, Pastor, you say this? Yes, I say this. I read here, or a visitor, a visitor listen to this. Uh, there was a visitor, this is an analogy right here, uh, uh, a visitor that went to a large church in the Midwest, which had baptized, they had baptized 2,000 people the year before. The man was disappointed in seeing that no pipes, no organ, no chandeliers in the church. And he was very, very unhappy to see that the church didn't even have that much decorations. The preacher or the pastor of the church said to him, we don't depend on the beauty of the building, but on the power of God. We are more, we are more concerned about souls to be saved than material things. What a good statement. I say, should the house of God look presentable? Absolutely. But if we put that over the gospel, we're making a mistake. Because the gospel comes first. I mean, we have to make our house presentable, don't get me wrong, but the gospel comes first. That's what this pastor is trying to say here. So, let's go to point number three. We see the prophet involved. The prophet involved. Look at verse 11. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not... Is, uh, is there not here a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elijah, the son of Japheth, which poured our water in the hands of Elijah. It's interesting. The king of Israel blamed God. The king of Judah is asking for a prophet. It was a godly man in there. He said, you know what, we don't have any water, but it's got uh, to be a prophet around here who can pray for us a little to provide us water. This guy has some common sense. The other one, oh, let's go blame God. You know, it's always easy to blame somebody else for our problems, isn't it? It's always easy. So, so I'm glad when they discovered their need for water, they didn't call for a water man with a stick or a geologist, but a man of God. I hope that the lost will think of us as Christians when they had a need in their life. You know what? And through the years, let me tell you this, I experienced this. You know, they, they mock God. They make fun of you. They, don't, they, don't, they look at you like you, you, you're a rare kind of breed. You know what? But when they're in trouble, guess who they come to? Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Oh, can you pray for so-and-so? Can you... Why they do that? Because now they recognize that you are different. You mean business. I'll tell you that. See, Jehoshaphat was not like the king of Israel. On the other hand, suggested that he consulted the Lord and see what he wanted them to do. He had given the same advice years before when they did join forces to fight the Syrians in 1 Kings 22. So Joram didn't, didn't know any prophet of the Lord and didn't even know that Elijah was in the area. It made you, let me put it this way. Okay, this, this, think about it. This guy, Joram, was the king of Israel. Didn't even know that Elijah was in the land. He didn't know about any prophet in the land. You see how far it was this man removed from God? I'll give you an example. I lived 14 years in the city of Warwick. Okay? I never heard of a, a First Baptist Church. I never heard of it. I never even see a sign of that church. Until one day, the pastor of the church knocked at my door. <laughs> then I was like, where's your church? And he goes, on Creasa Road. It's like, you know how many times I drove Creasa Road? I don't, <laughs> I don't see any church there. Are you sure your church is there? And he goes, it's been there for several years. <laughs> I, said, I said, I never seen that church. 
You know what? And all the years I live in Warwick, you know what happened? I never looked for God. That was my problem. You know, then when I found the church, I went there. And when I walked in the, in the walls of that church, I heard the gospel for the first time. You know what? When we, we sometimes we go like, today is like this. Okay, we're going to put the church on this road because it's this much traffic. It's this much foot traffic. This much, many cars going by. It's going to be really in full view so we, people can come in. We had a church right on that main road over there. Didn't happen. You know, God is the one who brings people in, not us. You follow that? We invite, we go out there, but God is the one who does. I'll tell you what, when a person is looking for God, God make himself known. Amen. You can have a church in the middle of nowhere, and nobody can even see it, and when that person looking for God, God says, my church is right there, and we will find it. And sometimes you say, well, this church is way out of the main road. God knows. God knows exactly where the church is. So what happened right here, this guy, this guy, you know, he didn't even know there was a prophet in the land. That's how far removed he was from God. Here comes Jehoshaphat. Is there a man of God in this land? Wow. Wow. Have you ever been in a restaurant? There's all kind of noise going on, and you're about to have a meal. You say, let's pray. In the middle of that confusion, and when you finish praying, you lift up your head, and people are looking at you like they have four sets of eyes. You know, what, you know, then it's like, yeah, these people actually pray. What are they praying for? The God will bless the food. Isn't that great? There's a God that actually listens to our prayers. Okay, so we are told that Elijah was but the king's humble. Uh, I'm sorry, let me go back here a little bit. At that hour, Elijah, here goes, was the, the most valuable man in the combined armies of the three nations here. Elijah was, was compared to Elijah, to the, uh, to the army of Israel, but Elijah was more powerful than these three armies right here together. We are told here, yeah, Elijah was, but the, the three kings humbled themselves to him right here because they needed help. So when Jehoshaphat point, uh, 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 joined King, King Ahab to fight the Assyrians, the Lord's, uh, the Lord's prophet rebuked him for compromising. Because he was a man of God right here. Second Chronicles chapter 19. But now the presence of, of a descent, descent of King David was the key to victory in this battle. You know what? Again, God promised something to King David. It's right here at the center of him, Jehoshaphat. And God, because of Jehoshaphat, God gave victory to this battle right there. I'll tell you what. I think a lot of things go on even in this country of ours that God protects this country because there's a lot of Christian people praying for this land. Amen. And I do believe that. A lot of Christian people that pray for our president, for our cabinet members, for our senators, and our house members, we pray for those people. We pray that God protects this land. And God will And his mercy in many situations because one of his children is there in the midst of other people. Now, 
bet on you don't come in. Especially as things as we're being all set down and be honest with ourselves. We are going to come up with situations that happened in our own lives on which we saw the hand of the Lord working through us and the other ones benefit from it. That's good point number four. The praise involved right here. Look at verse 15. But now bring me a minstrel, and, I, and, and it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. So one of the finest and noble gifts of God. You ready for it? It's music. Music is a gift that comes from heaven himself. Men did not invent music. Ha- music came from heaven. Music is a universal language. Music knows no borders, no color of skin, no wars. Music brings melody to the heart of man. Music is capable of putting a person at ease. Music brings relaxation. Music is, is, good, is a good sleeping medicine. Music is something that moves the heart of God when it's, when it's played the right way and with the right intentions. Verse 15 tells us that when the instrument was played at the hand, at the hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord moves. There's something about music that moves the heart of our God. But I believe that, that that's not only that any music do. I believe that's going to be biblical music. Hymns and spiritual songs make melody in your hearts. People say, well, but the Bible talks about instruments of strings. Yeah, it does. Look at them then and look at them now. And look at the beats and tell me if it pleases God. And when they're playing and they're singing, they draw attention to themselves, not to the one who should be the audience of one. Okay, I don't care what instrument you play, but if you, you do it for the glory of God, not for your own glory. The service always should never be a show. It should be a, a worship time. To God be the glory, not to us. You see, folks, I am firm believer that when we sing and play music to the Lord with the right heart, the right mindset, the right spirit, the right attitude, it moves the hand of our Heavenly Father. Music is wonderful. I love music. I love to sing. Not the greatest singer, but love to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Praise the Lord for the talent that God gives the people to play instruments. Number four, five, the plan involved. Look at verse 16, verse 18. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites unto your hand. You see God's promise over here? God's promise, the water will come because that's what they needed. They stopped because they were, everybody was thirsty. Their, be, their beasts were thirsty. Everybody needed water. They stopped. He said, God, I will provide you water. Not only water, I will give you victory. You know why? Because Jehoshaphat was there. You see that? You might say, you might say individually say, well, it doesn't make a difference. I'm in the midst of this multitude. They, 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 none, of, none of those people are, are saved people here. I, I can't make a difference. Yes, you can. Yes, you can make a difference. See, this whole people was saved. There was victory given to the king of Israel because one man was there, Jehoshaphat. Who's Jehoshaphat? A man that loved God, the son of David. You see, 
Sometimes we think we don't make a difference where we go. It makes a difference, folks. If you are a child of God, listen to me. You are loved by the Lord. You belong to Him. He cares about you. He loves you. He goes after you. And where you are, His eyes and His heart is there. Like, is my child there? So the plan evolved right here. The prophet's plan came from God, not from Him. It was not Elijah making this plan. It was The plan came from God. Notice what he says. Verse 16, Thus saith the Lord. It was God who gave the plan to Elijah. Before he tells them what to do, Elijah makes them know that his instructions are coming from God, not from him. Isn't that wonderful? Listen, if somebody says to me, Pastor, great message, I say, praise the Lord. You know why? Because it's not my message, it's God's message. He gave me the, 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 the thought, the words to say, to write it down. You know what? To God be the glory. You want the message, I'll give it to you. Go preach it to somebody else. I don't hold it back. I don't hold title of that. It's not my message. It's God's message. I'll give it to anybody that wants it. You see, where was I? <laughs> okay. Um, so the music of the harpist brought quietness to the prophet's mind and heart and helped facilitate his communion with the Lord. Then Elijah revealed to those three kings God's plan. Not his plan, God's plan. So the kings were to command their soldiers to dig ditches and pits in the dry valley. Now think about this. Those guys are men of war. They're ready to war. And here comes the kings. Guys, see this? There's a line here. Let's dig a big ditch over here, all the way to the other side. They go, huh? <laughs> can you just imagine? I mean, you, you dig. Can you just imagine the kings come? Everybody, let's dig a ditch. And they were digging ditches. God told them to dig a ditch. And it's amazing. We're like, we want to trust God, and, you know? So then Elijah revealed these three kings the plan. So God sent the rain in the, in the distant mountains, but the Moabites' army would know, wouldn't know it because it, there would be no sound of wind, no storm. The rain would create a flood that, that would move down from the mountains and cover the plains where they dig those ditches. You see what God did? God is the one who brought that water all the way to those ditches. Some of the water would collect in the pits of, and trenches and be available for, for the men and beasts to drink, but God would also use those poles to deceive and defeat the, Boabite, the Moabite armies. So Elijah did not explain how. Then Elijah added that God would enable the three armies to defeat the Moabites, but it, it must be a complete victory here. They were to tear down stone by stone and all the fortified cities in Moab and throw the stones in the fields. They must also cut down the trees and stood up the wells. Let me tell you this. God was specific in His instructions here. You do as I say. You know what? I know something. Always, we always do well when we do, we do exactly what God says. You know, sometimes like, ah, oh, but do what God says. You know, in Jericho, and when they went to Ai, what happened to the defeat of Israel in Ai? Because somebody forgot to listen to what God said. And he, what he did, I'm going to hide this thing for a better day, for a raining day. I have all those treasures. And God said, I don't need you to have that. I will take care of you. You see, folks, many times we don't experience God's, uh, God's victory in our lives because we don't follow what the Lord impress in our hearts daily, uh, uh, in our hearts detail by details. Sometimes we just 
uh, just have half blessings because we fail to follow through. Sometimes we just taste a bit of victory in our lives because we didn't follow through. Sometimes we have half of victories because we don't follow through. Follow the Lord detail in your life and you will see and taste that the Lord is good. And you will see and you will taste that the, vict- that the victory of the Lord is always good. It's always good when we experience and taste God's victory. They were obedient unto God in digging the ditches and God was going to perform a miracle here. We often uh, uh, hoard that God gives us today because we don't trust Him to provide for our needs tomorrow. But let me tell you this, the God that provides for us today will provide for us tomorrow. We have to believe that. You know, we say, oh my God, they did this and did this and did this in the past. I say, where? All right. God didn't die. You follow that? Oh my God, they did this and this this for me in the past. Okay, God didn't die. He's still the same God. He's still alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the God that blessed you yesterday can bless you today, can give you victories today, and can bless you tomorrow, and give you victories tomorrow. We just have to believe that. Notice the word yet, day verse 17. They were to prepare for the blessings of God by digging the ditches and see God's work miracle, a miracle of God's work right here. I wonder how many blessings from God you and I miss because we were not prepared to receive it many times. Number six, we see the power involved. The power, look at verse 20. And it came to pass in the morning when the meat offering was offered that behold, there, were, there came water by the way of Eden. And the country was filled with water. Here's God's promise right here. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings would come up to fight against them, they gathered all. They were able to put an arm upward and stood in the border. You see right here, God comes through with His promises every single time. Is Jesus coming again? Why? Because He's God's promise, right? <laughs> He promised, and we believe that it's coming to pass. You know, is we're going to rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years? Yes. Why? Because it's God's promise. Are we going to live with Jesus in a new heaven and a new earth? Yes. Why? Because it's God's promise. Amen to that. So, folks, God prom- what God promised, He keeps. Many people don't care or don't believe because they just don't really have much faith in God. Actually, for many people, God is just too insignificant, too powerless even to, for them even to consider God in their minds. They don't talk about God. They don't think about God. They don't follow God. They're simply existing and surviving in this world. But in spite of, of what people may think or, feel, or feel, about, uh, feel about God, God keeps His promises the way it is. I mean, what God says, I do this, He does that. 1 Kings 3.18 says, in this, in, in this he put a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites unto your hand. So folks, when God, with God, everything is possible. The three kings obey God's command and move into Moab, bend on, and destroy the cities and do as much damage as they naturally uh, possibly could do. But let me tell you this. Let's go, let's back, let's go back to a little bit here. Why did God give victory to these three kings? Because of Jehoshaphat. There was a, one of his children was there. And because David, God said, I will give you victory. Because without Jehoshaphat right here, 
the king of Israel would have no victory. Folks, let me tell you this. You are a child of God. God puts you in places and you will see the goodness of God in certain places, even amongst unsaved people. You will see the blessings and the goodness of God is not because of them, it's because of you. You follow that? God loves you enough to say, my child, I do this. They're going to reap blessings, but they're going to reap it because of you. You are the source of the blessing. I'll give it to you, and they reap it because of you. God is good. You know the Bible says that God sent the rain and the sun and the rain. Why does that? Because we hear His children. When we trust the Lord wholeheartedly, impossible, impossibilities becomes possibilities. God does the impossible. Number seven, the pursuit involved. The pursuit involved. We see this from verse 24 all the way to verse 27. You see, let's look at verse 24. And when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up and smote the Moabites, so they fled before them, and they went forward, smiting the Moabites even into their country. You see the victory right here? Not only they got the water as God's promise, now God's given them the victory over the Moabites. You see, you see the, uh, with the, uh, here that, that's the, the what am I wrote here? So when, when we obey God in faith, not only will He bless us, but he will, he will defeat our enemies for us. You know, it's God's promise. You ready? Somebody mocks you. Somebody makes fun of you. Somebody looks at you, doesn't like you, and you feel uncomfortable. Look what God says. And you want to uh, get even. Know what God says? You ready? Vengeance is mine. I will repay it, said the Lord. That's God's promise. Now, you know what you do with that, Lord? I'll be kind and loving to these people, but I put them in your hands. God says, leave them alone. Vengeance is mine. I will repay it, said the Lord. I see what they're doing to you. You're mine. I love you. You're my child. I will take care of them. You know what, what we need to do? We need to have to have enough faith and trust and believe that God will take care of that situation. And He does. See, that guy, that's God's promise in the Bible for us to grab it and say, God, Lord, I believe You. You see, the devil comes around and whispers in our ears and says, it's not so, it's not so. But now what God says, when Paul spoke or the victory which through Jesus Christ he had won over all the ills and adversities and temptation and woes of life. The greatest of all of his words was, I'm more than a conqueror. It was not sufficient to describe it. And therefore he said, more than conquerors through him that loved us. And we are. You see, folks right here tonight is this. When God is in it, victory is sure. So I conclude with this. The lesson for us is that if we trust and obey the Lord, then victory will come. Folks, life is full of battles. Life is full of obstacles. Life is full of detours and setbacks. Life is full of headaches and problems. But through Christ, we are more than conquerors. If we trust the Lord, we can overcome any battle in life. I mean, if we truly wholeheartedly trust the Lord, we will taste the sweet victory that God will give us. And we will sit at ease and say, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. I'll tell you what. I believe that. God is good. 
to all of us. Can I have a testimony of that? God is good, isn't He? He's good to us. You know, even when we disobedient, He's still good. He loves us. And many times other people are blessed because we're there in that midst. How many times through the years I would say, Lord, we don't have any work. Please, Lord, provide us work. So we, I don't want to see anybody go. Even when I was in supervision, when I was in this job working in Lincoln, when I was a manager, I used to pray, Lord, we don't have any work. I don't want my workers to go home, get laid off. And I would pray to the Lord. They definitely wouldn't pray, but I was praying. And, and you see the work come in. And it, you know what? Because your prayers, other people get blessed. So they're reaping the blessings because you are there. That's our great God. God says, I love you so much, child, I will bless you, and they will reap, but they will reap because of you. That's what this battle is about right here. The, the king of Israel got victory over the Moabites because Jehoshaphat was there. Isn't that great? So, go home with the storm. Wherever I go, God knows where I am, and God bless other people because I'm there. Isn't that great? Praise the Lord for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you, Lord, that you know our outs and ends. You know everything about us. Thank you, Lord, that even through us, you bless those who don't belong to you. Wow, what a great truth we learned tonight, Lord. And we just praise your name for it. You're so good to us, Lord. We don't deserve your goodness and the blessings that come from you, Lord. But we just say thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. So good that we have a place to worship. So good, Lord, that we know each other here. So good, Lord, that others have come to know you because we hear preaching and proclaiming your word, Lord. Be with each person here tonight and bless them in a special way. In Jesus' name I pray.